The sutras of Buddha have to be meditated on deeply, invited, followed. He says, Wakefulness is the way of life. Wakefulness is the way of life. <clears throat> you are alive only in the proportion that you are aware. Awareness is the difference between death and life. You are not alive just because you are breathing. You are not alive just because your heart is beating. <clears throat> Physiologically, you can be kept alive in a hospital without any consciousness. Your heart will go on beating and you will be able to breathe. It can be kept in such a mechanical arrangement that you will remain alive for years. In the sense of breathing and the heart beating and the blood circulating. There are now many people around the world in advanced, advanced countries who are just vegetating in the hospitals because advanced technology has made it possible for you, for your death to, the, to be postponed indefinitely. For years, you can be kept alive. If this is life, then you can be kept alive, but this is not life at all. Just to vegetate is not life. Buddhas have a different definition. Their definition consists of awareness. They don't say you're alive because you, are, you can breathe. They don't say you're alive because your blood, circula your blood circulates. They say you're alive if you are awake. So except for the awakened ones, nobody is really alive. You are corpses, walking talking, doing things. You are robots. Wakefulness is the way of the wakefulness is the way of life way to life, says Buddha. Because you become more wakeful and you will become more alive and life is God. There is no other God. Hence Buddha talks about life and awareness. Life is the God Life is the goal, and awareness is the methodology, the technique to attain it. The fool sleeps, and all are asleep, so all are foolish. Don't feel offended. The facts have to be stated as they are. You function in sleep. That's why you go on stumbling. You go on doing things you don't want to do. You go on doing things you have decided not to do. You go on doing things you know are not right to do. And you don't do things that you know are right. How is this possible? Why can't you walk straight? Why do you go on getting trapped into bypass? Why do you go on going astray? A young man with a fine voice is asked to take part in a pageant play. A young man with a fire with a fine voice is asked to take part in a pageant play. Though he tries to be to beg off, 
saying he always gets embarrassed under such circumstances. He is assured it will be very simple, and he will have only one line to say. I come to snatch a kiss and dart into the fray. Hawk, I hear a pistol shot and then stride off stage. At the performance, he come. At the performance, he comes on stage, embarrassed already by the tight-fitting colonial knee breeches he has been made to put on at the last moment, and becomes completely unstrung at the sight of the beautiful. Heroine lying back to lying back on a garden seat, waiting him in a white gown. He clears his throat and announces, "I come to kiss your snatch, no, snatch a kiss, and fart into the dray. I mean, dart into the fray. Hark! I hear a pistol shot." I hear a shistro part, no, a shotio pit, a pistol sit, oh, bath shit, bath shit, rat shit, shit on you all. I never wanted to be in this damned play in the first place. This is what is happening. Watch your life. Everything that you go on doing is so confused and so confusing. You don't have any clarity. You don't have any perceptiveness. You are not alert. You can't see. You can't hear. Suddenly, you have ears, so you can hear, but there is nobody inside to understand it. <laughs> Suddenly, you have eyes, so you can see, but there is nobody present inside. So your eyes go on seeing and your ears go on listening, but nothing is understood. I like this. <laughs> Suddenly you have eyes, so you can see, but there is nobody present inside. So your eyes go on seeing and your ears go on listening, but nothing is understood. <laughs> And on each step you stumble, on each step you commit something wrong, and still you go on believing that you are aware. Drop that idea completely. Dropping it is a great leap. Dropping it is a great leap, a great step, because once you drop the idea that I am aware, you will start seeking and searching for ways and means. To be aware, so the first thing to sink into you is that you are asleep, utterly asleep. Modern modern psychology has discovered a few things that are significant, although they be, they have been discovered only intellectually. Still, it is a good beginning. If intellectually they have been discovered, then sooner or later. They will also be experienced existentially. Freud is a great pioneer, of course, not a Buddha, but 
still a man of great significance because he was the first to make the idea accepted by the larger part of humanity that man has a great unconscious hidden in him. The, the conscious mind is only one tenth, and the unconscious mind is nine times bigger than the conscious. Then his disciple Jung went a little farther, a little deeper, and discovered the collective unconscious. Behind the individual conscious, there is a collective unconscious. Now, somebody is needed to discover one thing more. It is there, and I hope that now or later, the psychological investigations, how psychological investigations that are going on will discover it, the cosmic conscious. Buddha have talked about it, cosmic unconscious. So we can talk about the conscious mind, a very fragile thing. A very little part, a very small part of your being behind the conscious is the subconscious mind, vague. You can hear its whispering, but you cannot figure it out. It is always there behind the conscious, pulling its strings. Third is the unconscious mind, which you come across only in dreams or when you take drugs. Then, the collective unconscious mind, you come across it when, only when you go into a deep inquiry into your unconscious mind. Then you come across the collective unconscious. And if you go still farther, deeper, you will come to the cosmic unconscious. The cosmic unconscious is nature. The collective unconscious is the whole of humanity. That has lived up to now. It is part of you. The unconscious is your individual unconscious that society has replaced in you. That has not been allowed expression. Hence, it comes by the back door in the night in your dreams. And the conscious mind, I will call it the so called conscious mind because it is only so cold. It is so tiny. It is so tiny. Just a flicker, but even if it is just a flicker, it is important because it has the seed. The seeds are always small, it has great potential. Now, a totally new dimension is opening up. Just as Freud opened the dimension below the conscious, Sir Aurobindo opened the dimension above the conscious. Freud and Siri Aurobindo are the two most important people of this age. Both are intellectuals. Neither of them is an awakened person, but both have done a great service to humanity. Intellectually, they have made us aware that we are not small as we appear from the surface, that the surface is hidden. The surface is hiding great depth and heights. Freud went into the depth. Siri Aurobino Bindo tried to penetrate into the heights. Above our so called conscious mind is the real conscious mind. 
that is attained only through meditation. When your ordinary consciousness when your ordinary conscious mind is added to meditation, when the ordinary conscious mind is plus meditation, it becomes the real conscious mind. Beyond the real conscious mind is the superconscious mind. When you are meditating, you have only glimpses. Meditation is a groping in the dark. Yes, a few windows open up. But you fall back again and again. Superconscious mind means samadhi. You have it again and again. You have attained a crystal clear perceptiveness. You have attained an integrated awareness. Now you cannot fall below it. It is yours. Even in di- even in sleep, it will remain with you. Beyond the superconscious is the collective superconscious. The collective superconscious is what is known as God in the religions. And beyond the collective superconscious is the cosmic superconscious, which even goes beyond the gods. Buddha called it Nirvana. Mahavira calls it Kaivala. Hindu mystics have called it Moksha. You can call it in the truth. You can call it the truth. There are the nine stages of your being, and you are just living in a small corner of your being, the tiny conscious mind. It is as if somebody has a place and has completely forgotten about the place and has started living on the porch and thinks this is all. Freud and Suri Aurobindo are both great intellectual giants, pioneers, philosophers, but both are doing great guesswork. Instead of teaching students the philosophy of Bertrand Russell, Alfred North Witherhard, Whitehead, Martin Heidegger, Jean Paul Sartre, it would be far better if people were taught more about Suri Oro Bindo because he is the greatest philosopher of this age. But he is completely neglected, ignored by the academic world. The reason is even to read Suri Oro Bindo will make you feel that you are unaware. And he himself is not a Buddha yet, but still he will create embarrassment for you. If he is right, then what you're doing, and what are you doing? Then why are you not exploring the heights of your being? Freud was accepted with great resistance, but finally he was accepted. Sri Aurobindo is not even accepted yet. In fact, there is not even any opposition to him. He is simply ignored. And the reason is clear. Freud talks about something below you that is not so embarrassing. You can feel good knowing that you are conscious. And below your consciousness, there is subconsciousness and unconsciousness and collective unconsciousness. But those states are all below you. You are at the top. You can feel very good 
But if you study three hour window, you feel embarrassed, offended because there are higher states than you, and man's ego never wants to accept that there is anything higher than him. Man wants to believe that he is the pinnacle, the climax, the Gorishin Coral, the Everest, that there is nothing higher than him. And it feels good denying your own kingdom, denying your own heights. You feel very good. Look at the foolishness of it. Buddha is right. He says the fool sleeps as if he were already dead. But the master is awake and he lives forever. Oh. Buddha is right. He says the fool sleeps as if he were already dead. But the master is awake and he lives forever. Awareness is central. It knows no death, only an awareness dies. So if you remain unconscious asleep, you will have to die again. If you want to get rid of this whole misery of being born and dying again and again, if you want to get rid of the whole wheel of birth and death, you will have to become absolutely alert. You will have to reach higher and higher into consciousness. And these things are not to be accepted on intellectual ground. These things have to become experimental. These things have to become existential. I'm not telling you to be convinced philosophically, because philosophical conviction brings nothing, no harvest. The real harvest comes only when you make a great effort to wake yourself up. But these intellectual maps can create a desire, a longing in you, can make you aware of the potential, of the possible, can make you aware that you are not what you appear to be. You are far more. The fool sleeps as if he were already dead. But the master is awake and he lives forever. He watches his clear, simple and beautiful statements. Truth is always simple and always beautiful. Just to see the simplicity of those two statements. But how much they contain. World within worlds, infinite worlds. He watches, he is clear. The only thing that has to be learned is watchfulness. Watch. Watch every act that you do, watch every thought that passes in your mind, watch every desire that takes positions of you. Watch even small gestures, walking, talking, eating. Walking, talking, walking, eating, taking a bath. Go on watching everything. Let everything become an opportunity to watch. Okay, that's it for now. Yeah. Okay.